This is What's That About, the show where we look at topics that I understand, but Don really doesn't. Um, Today's episode (laughs) is about conspiracy theories. So, Don, pop quiz. Yep. What percentage of Americans do you think believe in aliens? And believe in aliens that have come to Earth or just believe that they exist? Believe that they exist. Hmm. 60. No, only 29%. Really? Yep, 29% believe in aliens. What percentage do you think believe JFK was killed by the CIA? I'm sticking with 60. <laughs> Close that. 51%. Oh, really? Yeah, right. That's quite high. It's like one in two Americans believe he was killed by the CIA. Well, there was actually a, a documentary that suggested that that was the case, and they put a lot of strong sort of evidence suggesting it was true. Do you, do you have this on your list to talk about today? I don't, know. I just saw a documentary on it. It was an Australian guy researched it, and his theory was that a CIA agent accidentally let a random shot out. Um, like, someone else was shooting at the president, but the shot to the head, they theorised, was from a CIA agent who accidentally fired off a round in the kerfuffle, Ooh. and that was the, the shot that actually got him in the head. And then it was, wow. sen- it was since covered up by the, the government and the CIA. But it was a really uh, very interesting and... It's incredible. And You're kind of going. This this seemed pretty credible. pretty it's well researched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually he was a he wasn't like a crackpot. He was like a proper researcher who. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I can't remember the documentary. I will find out before the end of the episode. I'll find the episode, um, the um, documentary, and who it was. But very, very interesting. My theory is we've gone too interesting too soon. It's going to be downhill from here. My theory is it's probably not a credible evidence, and it's just some crackpot, and I'm just being sucked in, and now. <laughs> I'm just a, a weird guy that likes conspiracy theories. <laughs> he's done a good job. Yeah, he's, I'm sucked in. <laughs> For me, like, I think my starting point, because it's such a big topic, mm. it was kind of hard to know where to begin with it. It's, it's, it's enormous. So my starting point was, why do people believe in conspiracy theories? Let's start at the What's beginning. The- like, what is a conspiracy theory? I actually don't have a definition in front of me. Good, because I do. (laughs) So, a conspiracy theory is an explanatory hypothesis that suggests that two or more persons, a group or an organisation of having caused or covered up through secret planning and deliberate action. Can I just interrupt for a second? Yeah. This is a total stitch up. I asked the first question. You have the prepared (laughs) answer. You've reversed it. And I've been shown up. Well, (laughs) Completely shown up. I've been waiting for years to do that. That was I'm, uh, I'm feeling that was the good. old switch, the old switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's basically a cover up, and the the usual premise is that it's been covered up by, you know, a government or an organisation that has a lot of power, and they're doing it for um, devious means. Okay. Okay. Mm. That that that's a good definition. Yeah. I, I probably would have said the same thing. Probably. Um, <laughs> So the thing that's interesting, we look at the, when you look at the psychological research around why people believe in this. What's what's common to people that believe in conspiracy theories is that they they there's this kind of sense that they feel like they have a lack of control over their lives, 
Um, and they often stemming from a perceived power imbalance in terms of their station in life versus other people's station in life. So the way that they kind of experimentally manipulate this is in, in they split people into two groups. They get one group to write down times in their life where they've felt like they've been in control and they'll get a second group to write down times where they feel that they've been they've had no control and then they'll put things to each group so one group is feeling powerful the other group is feeling helpless and they'll pitch the same situation to to each group and those that are made to feel helpless are more likely to interpret the situation with a conspiracy mindset so often they'll kind of say you know there was a project by local council and it actually had lots of damaging impact on this neighborhood you know is there anything sinister going on there if you feel helpless you're more likely to say yes than if you're feeling powerful so that's kind of the one of the the, the ideas of the psychology of conspiracy theory where'd you get that information from Lee? sounds like government <laughs> propaganda to me unless <laughs> And one of the other ideas is what they call um, proportionality bias, which is this tendency to, if something really big happens, we like to believe that it has a, a, a similarly large cause. So if, if there's like a really big natural disaster, as humans, we don't like to think it was just through something insignificant that led to that. We have to kind of think, well, maybe there was something that was controlling this that was really sinister. And I guess in a way it makes us feel well, safer and less anxious because if you, if you can kind of have a cause for something, it doesn't mean the world is so chaotic. So that, that's kind of proportionality bias. So 9-11, the Twin Towers, is an obvious example of a massive sort of disaster. That's right. To sit there with the idea that anyone can, can fly a plane into a building at any point and mm. an individual in isolation can do that is so frightening that conspiracy theorists will come up with the idea that the government was behind it and therefore it's more orchestrated and therefore in a way you kind of feel safer because it's actually it's it's it's, it's a bit more engineered it's more targeted and engineered yeah 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 that's right and the i guess the third of thinking around this is really and it explains lots of it probably explains religion in many ways is people who don't feel they have control over a situation we'll we'll do our best to try and make sense of it and we'll connect dots that aren't necessarily connected in reality so you take the origins of religion for example if if you're in a situation where you don't understand what's causing the natural environment to be going ballistic you will kind of create an explanation for why that's happening Mm. which gives you some form of solace because otherwise you're just sitting there freaking out all the time yeah 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 very good Okay, so what is your favourite conspiracy theory? Well, my absolute favourite, and uh, it's ridiculous, but there's a theory, and it's uh, it's spoken about by this guy called David... It's either Ike or Ike, I-C-K-E. He's a British guy. He used to be a sports journalist, quite a well-known sports journalist on the BBC. And then something happened, and he came out... Um, it's on YouTube. There's a video where he came out with all these theories. He claimed he was the son of God on the BBC, like on some talk show. And he has a theory that the world is secretly being run by shape-shifting lizards, sort of yeah. lizard men <laughs> who live underground and they manipulate um, everything sort of around us. And all the high pro like the Queen, Prime Ministers, <laughs> all famous people are shape-shifting lizards. Um. This is this is also my favourite theory. Oh, really? This, I love this it. This is mine as it well. Is, it's so good. <laughs> How good is it? The thing I like most about it is, this is the equivalent, essentially, of Bruce McAvaney one day coming out yeah, and is. saying, you know, uh, Obama, lizard. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> but to, the the thing about it is quite funny. I read it and I'm like, this is just ridiculous. But then I saw, a, you know, I saw Kerry Packer on the news and <laughs> I thought, this guy's forgot to put his costume on. He's, <laughs> he's still in lizard costume here. <laughs> and sometimes when Tony Abbott is kind of sunning himself at a beach, yeah. you're like, ooh, cold-blooded, um, cold-blooded animals do like sunning themselves. Yeah, that's right. He's a- <laughs> he does have lizard. He has lizard features as he well. He does. And there's a video on YouTube of him in Parliament and he just he's just putting his tongue in and out like a lizard does. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I read that the earliest appearance of this kind of rep, reptoid conspiracy came about when a bloke called Warren Schufelt claimed that he discovered a series of tunnels and gold deposits beneath the city of Los Angeles that contain these lizards. And I'm like, that's a bloody Ninja Turtles, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Master <laughs> Splinter. He's just... It's not the reptile conspiracy. He's just saving it for a rainy day. It's pizza just some money. heroes in a half shell. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, but the, the craziest thing about the, the lizard theory is that, again, with the polls, and I don't want to pick on the US citizens, but most of the data is from the US. What percentage do you think believe in this theory in America? And keep in mind, it's a pretty crazy theory. And there's... Uh, well, how many people in America? 500 million? 300? I'm not sure. I think it's somewhere between four and five hundred. Yeah, I would probably guess at a whim. I reckon four percent, which would equate to about twelve million five hundred fifty-six thousand five hundred sixty-two people. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Just, off top of yeah, the head. Top yeah, of the head. pretty good, I guess. Well, pretty you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, four percent. That's crazy high. Um, so four yeah, percent are walking around being suspicious of anyone they see potentially being a lizard. That's crazy. That's, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. What's because that's that's a, that's only a shandy over one in twenty people, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Five percent would be one in twenty. So that's that's amazing. That is crazy. Um, yeah. I've got another interesting conspiracy theory, not related to lizards, but it's kind of linked to nine eleven. You know, there's all these nine eleven conspiracy theorists claiming that the government organised it. Have you heard about Operation Northwoods? Yes. Yeah, that, that is. Was, interesting. That was on my list as well. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Luke, can you please explain it for our audience? Or well, one of the should I say audience? Audience. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I was thinking was, well, what, what are some of the conspiracy theories that actually turned out to be true? Yeah. That was, that was kind of one of the, the, the research questions I was thinking. And this Operation Northwoods was essentially the chief of staffs of the American kind of defense department so in the very, early 60s. So very, very high up. Yeah, they essentially put recommendations to the president. Mm. In the early 60s, they called to essentially fabricate an act of terrorism on American citizens and claim that Cuba did it in order to justify going into war against Cuba. Ultimately, that proposal was rejected by the Kennedy administration, but it was essentially they were claiming for hijacking of planes and and bombings, and it, it is incredibly similar to the 9-11 conspiracy theory. And in the early 60s, there's actually documented evidence you can see on the internet of the briefing note that was sent to the president, which calls for exactly that. And in no way am I saying 9-11 
is a similar situation. Mm. But it's it's just um, very interesting that in the early 60s, that actually happened. It, is, it does give a little bit of potential credence to people saying... Because you hear, you know, people suggest that about 9-11, and you think, as if that would ever happen. But in the 60s, they almost did. So, yeah. you know, I, I agree. I don't think that happened with 9-11. I don't know. Makes a second think, but, you know. It does, it does. And it's, it's the fact that, like, to have concrete evidence that the, that people in governments at some point in recent history, this is, you know, our, our parents would have been in their 20s, that people were, th- were possible of thinking that something like that would be okay to put towards a good the president. idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything in a briefing note that is anything close to that. Yeah, they would do it with the president. Like it's mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I think the funny thing is when we started talking about terrorism and CIA and the structure of the Defense Department. I'm like most people, I think, would have come into a, a podcast on conspiracy theories and gone right into all these complex kind of government things. Mm. Our first one was lizard people. Yeah, like, yeah. We're both we're both going right <laughs> for the lizard. They tongue out all the time. <laughs> Gary Pegger looks like one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably out of our depth. <laughs> Do you have one that you read that you thought, I actually reckon that's true? Well, not really. No. I, Do you have something that you think is true? Okay. I do. Okay. This is interesting. Here we go. He, hear me out. Yeah, yeah. Here's my pitch. Light bulbs. Sold. Yep, they exist. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I do believe somewhat in the theory that light bulbs are created far below their technological capabilities in terms of their lifetime. I think there's a real, real incentive for people that make light bulbs to half the life so they sell twice as many. And I did a bit of research. Apparently, that, that is now very common in terms of the way things are manufactured called planned obsolescence. So, things naturally break down after the warranty runs out, so you have to buy more of them. It's very common. So, a lot of people say that about, you know, iPhones and things like that, or phones. Yeah. Smartphones. Yeah, that's right. Anything it, electronic. It, like, yeah, cause imagine fridges back in the day used to last. You'd buy a fridge or a TV, and it would last for 40 years. Yeah. And, it like, it, I've read, I read articles where they listed... So many examples of things. It goes one of two ways. They're either designed to essentially stop working after a period of time or they are outdated. So, for example, releasing a new model iPhone every 12 months when they could probably, you know, update the technology in one hit, they space it across a few different versions so they your old phone gets outdated really quickly. Or they change so the charging cord. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, right. Classic. So, that's... So, I reckon light bulbs is a bit of that. And I did a bit of research into it. And apparently, in the 1920s, all the light bulb manufacturers got together and came up with some kind of agreement around how are we going to make light bulbs? What kind of materials are we going to use? And apparently, in that meeting, the life of the average light bulb went from about 2,000 hours, was how long they usually lasted, to after that agreement, down to 1,000 hours. And then... You see all these examples of countries who didn't sign up to that agreement who have light bulbs that last like a lot longer. And there are light bulbs from World War Two that are still working at the moment. Whereabouts? Like, where are they working? Yeah. Just in some old guy's spare room or something. Phil's, gets- Phil's house. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, I've only turned it on once in 1964, but uh, <laughs> I assume it's still working. 
<laughs> like apparently like, the oldest the oldest lamp has a bulb which has been glowing for 108 years um and so like, are they cha- do they change the material or do you have people gone into what's going on we well, apparently in that agreement they did change the quality of material they use in the light bulb so they don't last as long so china for example who wouldn't have signed up to that agreement in china their light bulbs last 5000 hours at the moment I'm going through light bulbs like no one's business. My light like, bulbs seem to last about six hours. I'm yeah, ch- exactly right. changing them all the time. Yeah. So the, the devil's advocate on this is someone did a bit of an equation and they said, yes, they use worse materials, but apparently if you use more expensive materials, it actually costs more mm. than you save by changing your light bulbs less regularly. So they're kind of saying, yes, they don't last as long and they could make them last longer, but on a cost-benefit analysis, they've got the best thing for the consumer. Nah, you know me. I'm a little bit of a... Um, the, tr- the truth is out there. I'm not buying that. Yeah, yeah. So how much would have you I, uh, be willing to pay for a light bulb? What would you... Well, I think there's something to that. People don't want to spend a lot of money on something that's considered a given, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. I reckon if you went to a shop and they said, hey, you can buy this light bulb for $2.50 and it will last you six months, or you can buy this light bulb for $15 and it will last you 10 years... Mm. I reckon the way that we our purchase decisions are made, short term always wins out. People would choose a cheap light bulb. Yeah, and it may be the, the the fact that they're not giving us that option is probably what's a bit annoying. So I'm going to call it half conspiracy theory, half true. Have That's I have I convinced you? Have I convinced you? Uh, yeah, I guess so. It sounds oh, it certainly yes. sounds feasible, and I wouldn't. I'm not surprised that someone would make uh, light bulbs die or anything die earlier, just so you can buy another one. Yeah, it it make like it makes sense, and it's like that. Apparently, um, even like pillows, for example, they pillows used to just be families used to just use pillows forever, and then a pillow company started putting a use by date on the pillow, really, to try and to try and put planned obsolescence into pillows. Yeah, right. So if you're sleeping on something and it kind of has a use by date, you're like, well, I'm probably more likely to go and buy a new one, even though it's a completely arbitrary date they've just stamped on it. I think, I think it's arbitrary. I probably should buy new ones because I saw an old pillow that uh, <laughs> without the pillowcase on the other day. It was an ugly scene. There was like drool marks. Do you get? <laughs> Do you have those? You don't, on want there? It, you, you don't want to know what my pillow looks like. Oh, it's. <laughs> I don't know if it's me and I'm gross or if it's just like a common thing that it's just it's like brownish and gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I revealing yeah. too much at the moment, or are you with me? Nah, I'm with you. Oh, I'm good. definitely with you. Yeah. Um, the thing about this is a little bit of a tangent, but do you know when you try to like you know, you don't want you don't want your house to get robbed, so you're trying to leave the lights on so they they think people are home. Do you remember when we were teenagers and I think Dad left the radio on and some lights on, and then he was saying to us, "Yeah, oh, you leave that on, and then you know burglars will think there's someone home and they won't bother you." And we're like, as if burglars wouldn't know that. Like they're going to know that that's what people do, and they'll have ways to work around it. And then. Like two weeks later, the neighbor, our neighbor came across and said, uh, the other day, I was knocking on your door, radio was on, lights were on, no one was answering. That's a bit rude. Yeah. <laughs> I knew someone was home, but... <laughs> <laughs> Completely kind of justified dad's theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, our dad, when we used to go, he used to get these timers to turn the light on and off, you know, during nighttime hours, on at 6 p.m., off at 9 p.m. It's like, it's like yeah. Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. 
<laughs> yeah, the, like the cardboard cutouts going around in front of the curtains. <laughs> if someone knocked on the door, get out, you filthy animal. <laughs> so what, what was kind of, besides the, the lizard one, what was the most kind of ridiculous theory you came across? There's a lot of people out there that think that Obama can control the weather. He's got like a secret weather controlling machine. And uh, whenever he's under pressure, there was apparently there was an IRS scandal, which I'm not familiar with, but he was under a lot of political pressure. And then conveniently, tornadoes came out of nowhere and um, diverted attention from the the scandal, and he could you know go into go into like emergency mode. This is a um, theory. He's got a special weather machine. Jeez, yeah, that sounds awesome. that sounds like a crazy right wing kind of thing. The old- Proportionality bias in action. Yeah, right. and and even a step crazier is that what, a lot of people think that the U.S. government no, knows that Saddam Hussein had a Stargate in Iraq, and that's why they invaded Iraq because they What's wanted a to get Stargate. Access. Stargate's like a wormhole, you know, like a theoretical thing where you can like bend space and time, so you can go in. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. You can go in to this wormhole and it magically transports you to somewhere else in the universe. Like in theory they can exist, I think. Oh wow. It's like space bending on itself and then the two points join, the wormhole goes through and then it yeah, I don't know. This is all theory, it's all maths and if you, if they you, don't exist. <laughs> There's not a stargate <laughs> in Iraq. It's just a I was going to say if, yeah. if he actually had a stargate, didn't he like hide down a hole in <laughs> yeah. like Surely the first thing you do would be jump in the Stargate. No, you no, would not be going a, down a hole. That was a star hole. That's what you're not, <laughs> that's what you're not understanding, Luke. <laughs> he did look a lot like a worm down there. That he did. <laughs> Someone explained the Stargate, the wormhole. He's like, all right, I'll get underground and be a worm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy... That's probably the craziest one I came across. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the most ridiculous one I saw, and you you probably know because you're a massive Beatles fan. Yeah, the Paul is dead theory, mm. the urban legend that apparently Paul McCartney died in a car crash in 1966 and was replaced by a lookalike and a soundalike, and everyone goes through all the Beatles songs and album covers looking for clues that he's actually he's actually dead. Yeah. Um. And, like, for example, apparently at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, there's, like, a gargled line that people think is John Lennon saying, I buried Paul. Yeah. Where he actually said cranberry sauce. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, there's a lot of potential clues. It's ridiculous. Like, in the cover of Abbey Road, Paul McCartney is the only one not wearing shoes because everyone knows that dead people don't need to wear shoes. I don't know what the theory is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> And then there's num- like, and apparently there's like a number plate on the Abbey Road cover that says 28 if. So, you know, Paul McCartney would be 28 if he was still alive. I think he was meant to be 27 or 29 or something if. Like, it doesn't even make sense. It's just they didn't crazy. even do their homework. No, they didn't. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Like, if, like, just say, like, if you're Paul McCartney and there's rumours are going around that you're actually dead and, and you're not you anymore, that they look alike, it would be so incredibly easy to prove... That that is not the case, mm. and yet this rumor persisted. I think pretty strongly for at least five years, from what I read, 
Yeah, it's and well it, and truly over now, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I think through the late 60s, people were still believing it. I think if I think it was post-Beatles era when he was kind of doing either solo stuff or was his Wings his next band or what was the... Yeah, a lot of people wished he was dead when he was doing Wings. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind... Mo- like, most of Wings is okay. Some of it is not good. <laughs> yes. I was going to you know that your post-career is not going well when people are thinking for five years that you're actually dead. Yeah. Like, this that is, is a problem, This is... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all the theories I had. Do you have any, any other conspiracy theories? No, that's that's covered them. Um, alrighty, that is us done. Um, that's conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's a lot of information. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>